Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And today we have returning the prodigal son, (laughs) reunited and it feels so good. Yes. (laughs) It's Ronnie Kurtz. He is an assistant professor of theology at Cedarville University, author of uh, several books, including Fruitful Theology and forthcoming The Doctrine of Creation, uh, which is coming from B&H Academic. How are you, man? Man, let let me just say, it is good (laughs) to be with you. Well, and I did not. I didn't expect to be serenaded like that. This was even better than I thought it was going to be. Well, I'm dating myself. That's probably only people over like 40 probably recognize that song. But yeah, it's 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 an old duet. Man, <laughs> and it's, it's just, just the occasion. That's right. Yeah. Well, I thought it was going to be a joy being back with you. I didn't think it was going to be an exceptional joy. So <laughs> man, it's it is good to hear that podcast introduction. It's good to see yeah. your face. Well, before you get too far ahead of yourself, I brought you here under a a ruse. Oh, no. This is actually going to be another UFO episode. No! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Man, I'm sure you're in the similar boat. I have gotten so many messages with everything going on about, all right, when's part two going to (laughs) happen? And listen, I live like three miles away from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, oh, which, okay. which was a, it's, you know, it's one of the more significant Air Force bases in, in the U.S. And in the hearings, it kept getting brought up, like, we need to be transparent about what we have at Wright-Pat. <laughs> I was like, stop it. <laughs> so, I mean, you haven't seen anything? No, not no. yet. Nothing, man. I mean, you're around a bunch of cornfields. You should like yeah. sit out in your backyard sometime and just <laughs> stare up at the sky. And you know, uh, we just got back from the Holy Land, and when we were where were we? We were in the Temple Mount, and there were UFOs in the sky. Becky actually was the first person to see them. She said, "What is that up there?" And everyone saw them. So I'm not like hallucinating, <laughs> unless it was a mass hallucination. There was all of these white. Uh, spherical objects. Wow. Not in a not in a line, which some people will say that's like a, a satellite link or something like that. They were just sort of scattered around, and they're probably balloons of some kind. But they it was pretty creepy, man. Especially where man, we were. We have we have already talked about UFOs more than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's shift the the topic. Uh, wanted to talk about my new book, and I thought. You know, who better to bring on to help me talk about it than uh, my old buddy, my old co-host, Ronnie Yeah, Kurtz. man. Yeah. Did you get a chance Absolutely. to read it? I'm assuming that you did. I, I don't did. Know. Okay, all right. Yep, I got through it. I uh, I appreciate the PDF. And, you got uh, through it. It was it, a but... slog, huh? It was, you had to trudge. <laughs> I, I endured it. Yeah, I survived Yeah, I mean, book. I felt a little bit like Christian towards the, or like Christian <laughs> walking towards the celestial city, but I got there, man. You got there. No, I mean, it was awesome. I got to read it this week and have jotted down some questions that came up as I was reading. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously I I have some questions prepared that I'd love to ask you, but we can go anywhere the conversation takes us. No, I mean, I'd love to hear your questions, brother. Yeah. um, Obviously we have, we have some history so we can, we can banter our way through despite anything. So uh, let me, let me start with this question. If you don't mind is um, I, I care about this craft. I care about writing and am invested here and just love to hear often when I'm, talking with other folks who have 
you know, care about writing, care about beauty in this kind of way, just how the, how the idea came about, where did it start? Where did the seed get planted? Kind of just, you know, walk us through the history of, oh, by the way, just for listeners, we should listen, we should say the title the of, the of the book. book. <laughs> yeah, we are, uh, we're talking about friendship with the friend of sinners, the remarkable possibility of closeness with Christ, which is coming out next year. Right, Jared? No, it's coming out like the week of this podcast. It's coming oh, out wow. September. Yeah. Okay. So it's a 23 release. Okay. Yes. So a 23 release from Baker books. Again, friendship with the friend of sinners, the remarkable possibility of closeness with Christ. Um, so yeah, just walk us through how, how this one came about. Oh, wow. Um, I think this the seed of it is something that's been um, occupying or preoccupying my my devotional life for the last mm. several years. And actually, you know, going back before that, before I really kind of decided to explore this idea as a as a writing project, I remember Ray Ortland speaking on Exodus thirty three verse eleven. I think it is verse eleven. Uh, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one would a friend. And like so many things that Ray shared, it just kind of latched into my brain. Yeah. Um, the concept of Moses speaking face to face with God like a friend. And I don't know what that means. It, you know, was this a pre-incarnate, you know, the son of God appearing and meeting with him, a Christophany of some kind? Is it a figure of speech? Is it the glory of God that he's saying? You're the theologian. Maybe you can help me w- with that. <laughs> I did just write a lot about this exact verse. Okay. Oh, so, you did. All right. Well, yeah. s- well tell me what, what what's happening in that. In well, that I don't want to detract from your. Well, I, 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 I want to know. Part. This is a, a mystery that we're going to yeah, solve. Yeah, I me. do think it's. I think the best way to understand it is more of a figure of speech, more of a directness. Okay. Uh, because you know, in that same exact chapter. God says, man shall not see me and live. Right. Well, that's what's confusing about it is to see the glory of God is to be undone. So I have a a book on incomprehensibility coming out with IVP, and I I wrote on kind of what it means to see God face to face and et cetera. So anyways, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, just the phrase, yeah, like like one would a friend. It just, I don't know, got under my skin. And— Something I've been sort of on the outskirts of for the last several years is this idea of not just being in a relationship with the idea of Jesus, but mm. being in a relationship wow. with Jesus, with the, with the person of Jesus, yeah. remembering that he's a real person, which I think a lot of Christians sometimes—I mean, we know that. I'm not saying yeah. that you know we don't know that, but sometimes our devotional life becomes a sort of more of a project or more of a task-oriented thing because— it, we forget in some ways uh, spiritually that Jesus is a real person. And so um, in my preaching and some of my writing over the last few years, I've begun to get closer and closer to this idea and in my own devotional life have tried to, in my prayer time and, and in my Bible reading, you know, remember like I'm developing a friendship with Christ. He's mm-hmm. a real person. I'm talking to a real person. When I open his word, he's speaking to me. We have this dialogue that is ongoing. And I decided to kind of nail that down. I did a little run, I think, about what kind of friend Jesus is in um, a previous sermon or a blog post or something, and got a lot of good feedback on it. Um, it. It seemed to you know to resonate with some folks, and I thought, let me just explore that. So I pitched that idea, you know, basically to Baker, and they said, let's run with it. And it was a, a good mm. kind of jumping off point to think about friendship generally, how we struggle yeah. with friendship, and then, of course, to explore the the great 
friend that Jesus is to us. Yeah, that that's, I felt that reading it. I felt convicted pretty early of like, I don't, I don't know that I think in this explicit category of legitimate friendship, mm. um, you know, theologically, we, we use the phrases like union with Christ, communion with Christ. And so I have those, I have those categories kind of as working categories in my mind. But as I was reading, I was like, I don't know when the last time I thought explicitly about my friendship with Jesus yeah. was. And that's striking when you read the book. Yeah. I mean, there's two different, I think kind of, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're ruts, but just like ditches on either side of this road in sort of our tribe or in our circles, I guess, in terms of seminary, university, theological study, those sorts of things, we tend to kind of go towards that, you know, Christ as a, as an idea, as a, you know, theological concept, you know, so we, we, you know, sort of geek out on the, the technical aspects of these things, the doctrinal aspects of these things, and miss kind of the vital relationship sometimes. On the other ditch is, I don't want to say it's atheological, but it's Jesus has an idea and it's more yeah. of Jesus as kind of a, you know, motivational poster <laughs> or yep, something. That's exactly you know? right. yeah. um, the, the bumper sticker, you know, Jesus. And <laughs> somewhere in the middle is, yes, the, he is inspirational, and yes, we, uh, you know, he is the, the, the foundation of all truth. And, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, he is, uh, um, you know, the word of God. And yet I'm trying to help people kind of remember that uh, he, he's a real person that can be spoken to and that you can hear from as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. One of the things you said actually leads, leads right into where I would like to go next. You talked about the book kind of giving you a platform to think about friendship in general. And that's, that's kind of the, the content of the first major chapter is kind of where did everybody go? What happened to friendship? You referenced, I forgot the author, but Bowling Alone, you referenced that book and kind of some social studies on just the decline of friendships in modern America and modern society. And I think a lot of people resonate with that chapter of like, I didn't really need studies to prove this to me. I have my own anecdotal life. Um, so I would love for you to talk about that and then kind of give you a two-parter. You can take it where you want. Just kind of where did friendships go? What happened to friendships? And then you have a section that I would not have thought to include, but I thought was really helpful. You talk about the difference between tribes and friendships and how they're not, they're not the same. And I, I actually hear a lot more about like my tribe than I do like my friends yeah. in, in modern parlance. And so I thought it was really insightful for you to say, no, that's not, those aren't the same thing. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of give that to you. Yeah. What happened to what happened to friendships? What are you thinking about now that you wrote this? Well, I don't know. I don't think it's a coincidence that this concept or this pursuit has become more resonant for me as I've gotten older and gone longer in ministry and have contemplated um, losing friends, yeah. <laughs> um, seeing friends blow up their lives. You know, the last seven, eight years have been really hard in, in this area for me. Yeah. Guys that I'm still friends with to some degree, but the relationship has changed because of major, well, falls, moral failings. And th- I mean, they just, yeah. cr- you know, cratered their life and, and it's created distance in some ways. I, I think I talk about that a little bit in the book that it just reorganizes things and, and changes the nature of things. But also like just these divisions, you, you, you know, you mentioned tribes, what has evolved in the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years is not just the extreme, you know, politicization, but like polarization 
on so many other levels as well. And I continue to see it among the most sort of, you know, fractious or, uh, you know, factional kind of people. They're continuing and they're in this like death spiral where they're continuing to divide from each other. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in a somewhat bemused way, I'm sort of like, did you not see this coming? You know, I mean, this is you threw in your lot with people who are continuing to draw the circle smaller. Did you think you were always going to be inside that circle? I mean, you're you're Mm -hmm. out, you know, you find yourself outside that circle. And I, you know, it's it's affected me. I've lost friends because of you know political stuff and the social justice conversation and all kinds of things like that. And you discover even just through the course of ministry, even if none of that was happening, you discover who your real friends are. And so, kind of out of the soil of like, what is it like to be middle aged and look around and and wonder who your true friends are? And this is an epidemic, like it's a, you know, essentially a public health issue. The yes. government's beginning yeah. to even say that, especially for middle-aged men and older, the lack of friendship can be, um, uh, you know, connected to rates of depression and anxiety and even suicide. In Japan, mm-hmm. it's such a, um, a prevalent issue. Um, loneliness is such an issue. They've actually established governmental positions to address these things as a public health crisis. So that has made me sort of lean in more to like what a friend we have in Jesus that mm-hmm. he's always there no matter how weird or stupid I get. He doesn't leave. He doesn't like, you know what, I picked the wrong tribe or I brought you. I mean, he he's an ever-present help in time of need. And so it's just made me appreciate and and love him more to kind of contrast, you know, the 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 problematic earthly friendships with gosh, his grace, just the grace yes. that he that he gives us. Um, I don't remember what was the second part of your question. No, you you there? actually got them both. The, okay. the first part was just kind of what was your thoughts, you know, coming out of this book yeah. about friendships and the second thought was, or the second question was kind of the way friendships and tribes are not the same. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, tribes are really they're based around a common cause, which can get you, um, you know, some ways down the road, and maybe you can even find friends in those tribes, but it's usually not because you share tribalism. It's because you share mm-hmm. a common spirit or it's usually not cause based. The cause might be the grounds that has connected you, but what keeps yep. you connected is not the cause because causes come and go. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the urgency of them, uh, you know, waxes and wanes as, yeah. as well. Um, <clears throat> even if it's a, a good or enduring cause. I mean, I think about like this gospel centered thing, um, I've met a lot of people through this tribal experience over the last 15 years. Um, the tribal experience seems to be dissipating. I mean, there's remnants of it here and there, but the cause, yeah. yep. the cause is gone. <laughs> it feels like to me, it's not gone for me, but the tribal cause seems to have just Amen. evaporated. And yet I'm still connected with guys that um, I consider close friends. And and it's mm-hmm. not because, you know, if it was just based on the cause or the tribe, that wouldn't happen. So there had to have been something deeper. And there's a, um, I don't know what it is, some kind, you know, a frisson, a, a spark, a chemistry. I mean, how mm-hmm. does friendship happen? You know, C.S. Lewis talked about having a commonality where you say, me mm-hmm. too, you know, you too, you yeah. like that too. Yeah. But I think even that is just sort of the, the beginning stages of the thing. The, how you know you're really friends is when you get down the road and it's, you know, someone shares their experience or their like or whatever it is, and you think, uh, that doesn't resonate with me at all. <laughs> you like that? I don't, you know. And yet, <laughs> you don't say me too. You're like, well, not me. And yet, 
you still are very connected and you still experience, you know, the intimacy yeah. of friendship with them. And um, and that's a picture of the church, really, um, a group of people who get together and say, we have nothing in common except for Christ. That's and, right. You yep. know, and, and he's more than I enough. think you might have just— you might have just accidentally coined the a better phrase of friendship that I've heard, which is uh, not me and yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. You like that? You like UFOs? Not me. And yet here we are. <laughs> and yet here we are. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? That's right. Well, uh, a, a phrase that you use throughout the book, I, I mentioned it earlier, even kind of introducing the book, like kind of where I felt convicted reading it was you use a phrase, uh, the phrase is friendship spirituality. It, it's more prevalent in the beginning of the book, but it does, it does kind of hang around throughout the book. And you use that phrase, I forgot what you, you use another phrase in contrast to it, and it's not, I'm, it's, I'm losing it right yeah, now. But. Servant spirituality. Servant spirituality, yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, I would love for you to just kind of, you know, for two, for listeners who are thinking about maybe reading this book, what is, what is that? What are the contrasts between friendship, spirituality, servant spirituality, et cetera? Yeah, well, if Exodus 33.11 was kind of the seed of the book or the seed of the idea, um, speaking with God face to face like one would a friend, John 15, John 15, 15 is kind of the more uh, blossomed, right, where Jesus basically says, I no longer call you servants. Servants don't know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I've made mm. known to you everything that I've heard from my father. That really kind of grabs hold of my heart as well. I don't, this is Jesus saying to his disciples, I don't call you servants. I call you yep. friends. Now, I try to do some wrestling in the book with the very reality that Jesus is our master. He is our, he is our Lord. He is God. And therefore, there is a very real way in which we serve him. Um, you know, Paul, you know, speaks of his relationship or his, status, even as an apostle, as a bondservant, as a slave to Christ. And so I, I don't want to diminish that, you know, that reality at, at all. And yet, from Christ's mouth, I don't call you servants. I call mm. you friends. There's something that I think connects to how we relate to Jesus. So yes, we serve him with our life, with our ministry. We submit to him. He is our Lord. We follow him. We obey him. And yet our relationship with him is not predicated on um, having to earn our keep, having to perform or produce for him. And this has been an idea that has been a great comfort to me since kind of my moment of gospel wakefulness 20, you know, some years ago. But the, the idea that when Jesus steps into the room to meet with me or I step into the room to meet with him, he's not looking at me as an employee Mm-hmm. who has to like prove my worth or to show him why I, you know, show him why I belong, <laughs> uh, why should I, I should even be in the room. But he lights up. There is a warmth. The difference between servant spirituality and friendship spirituality is the difference between thinking that you earn your status with God or must keep the status with God through your efforts um, you know, I believed for a long time, just by default, that grace got me into, you know, into Christianity, but it was my works that kept God happy with me or kept me in the room. And it was sort of startling to me and wonderful when I discovered that it's grace all the way. It's grace all the way mm-hmm. down. I, I don't, you know, uh, you know, begin by the Spirit and then continue by works or become perfected by works. It's the Holy Spirit working through the power of the gospel from my justification, from my sanctification. And so I just want people to see 
that the relationship we have with Christ is not some kind of probation. It's not some kind of, you know, employee, boss kind of thing, but it's, it's familial. You know, he is our big brother. Um, it's relational. And yes, he is our king, but we can boldly approach the throne of grace at any time. I think, you know, the late Tim Keller talked about the kind of relationship we have with the king is the kind where you can, you know, wake him up in the middle of the night for a cup of water or something like that. You know, it's which is such a tender, a tender mm-hmm. image. He's, he doesn't get frustrated with us, irritated with us. He's always happy to see us. He's more eager to see us than we are to see him. And a lot of times our lack of coming to Christ is, I think, this sort of latent fear that we're not good enough, that um, he's going to you know, be impatient with us or reject us. And um, the reality is, as sinful as we are, he is that more gracious. And um, mm. yeah, so it's just kind of the the approach to our spiritual life is the, I think it's the difference between joy and kind of, you know, drudgery in some sense. Yeah. I think even as you said, it kind of sung my heart, just have, obviously I know this, but when you just say something as simple as you don't, you don't have to earn your keep. It's just still crazy to me <laughs> yeah. that I, me I really, really don't. You well, know? And it's because, Ronnie, we have to do that with just about everybody in our lives. Yeah, um, yeah you that's know, right. Maybe not, you know, maybe, you know, for some people listening, even their spouses and, and what have you, but, you know, um, you know, maybe not our spouse, maybe not our best friend or something like that. But the world we swim in is is law. It's expectation. It's what have you done for me lately? It's. Uh, a, mm. You know, sea of negativity and expectation and obligation, and that just doesn't exist with the holy God of the universe. He yeah. has eternally <laughs> approved of us in Christ. Yeah, there's such freedom there, and it's yeah. so um, unexpected. It's not you don't mm. get it in any other religion, which I think is why sometimes it's so hard to believe. It goes against the grain of our flesh that yes. you know the holy God wants to be our friend. That's right. Man, that's good. That was good. That was good for my soul even to be reminded of that. <laughs> um, in the chapters, you you kind of take each chapter and, you know, you kind of highlight kind of an adjective or an aspect of Jesus's friendship kind of for the most chunk of the, uh, or for a big chunk of the chapters. The beginning is yeah. kind of about friendships. The last chapter is kind of, we'll get to the gospel and I want to get to that at the end of this episode. But you kind of work through Jesus as a close friend, a comforting friend an unhurried friend, a loyal friend, an honest friend, a generous friend, and an available friend. Those are some of the aspects you highlight about kind of the way in which Jesus's friendship is unique compared to other friendships we might have experienced. And I'm just curious, I have an answer here. Obviously, everyone's going to have a chapter that speaks to them, you know, more (laughs) than any other chapter. I have an answer here. There's one chapter that like really stirred my soul, but I want to hear from you as the one who wrote it. As you were writing was there a particular aspect of Jesus's friendship from, you know, close, comforting, unhurried, loyal, honest, generous, available that got you that you just really enjoyed writing about? Well, it's, it's probably a toss up between the comforting friend and the loyal friend. I think the loyal friend, um, not just clicks with, uh, what I wanted to say about the gospel in that chapter about, you know, um, being for, you know forgiven, but also clothed in the righteousness of Christ, uh, the yes. you know the imputation of of His righteousness to us. So the loyalty He has is not fickle. It's it, He He when He when He lays His claim on us, it is irrevocable. We can never be snatched out of His hand, and that just um, that's that's always 
stirred me. But I think probably comforting friend that the title of that chapter is actually on the unsucking of your gut. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> on the unsucking of your gut. Jesus, the comforting friend is the subtitle. Brother, isn't there something about just the friends you have where you can just be yourself? Man, I've, I'll tell you, I, I hate to say this, but I've been doing more and more sucking in the last couple of years. So. <laughs> yes. Well, same here. Uh, um, it gets worse. Let me just say it gets hard. It gets harder. Um, so even the title, it resonates. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's just the idea of like, there are people around, and this is just from ministry. I mean, you know this um, as well. There are, are people in your church that you, you like being with, and yet you always have, to, you, you've got to have the pastor hat on. You can't really be Ronnie. Yeah. You're, you have to be Pastor Ronnie. And that's okay. You've agreed to that. They've affirmed that, that there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's not really, it's not friendship in some sense, um, or at least in the deepest sense. And I, you know, kind of wrestled with this. There were, you know, when I needed friends at my last church in particular and thought that I had them and yet discovered, oh, like, no, this is really based on my being their pastor. And if I'm not their pastor, I actually don't know if this friendship is real or not. Or, you know, on my end, I want it to be, but I don't know. I don't perceive that it is on theirs. And that was really, you know, discombobulating for me. But it's just something I've, I bring in. I mean, I'm just a neurotic person generally. So I'm always thinking, like, what are they thinking of me? What are they, you know? And, and, and the reality is most people are not thinking about you <laughs> as much as you're thinking about yourself. I've discovered <laughs> that as well. But um, it's just this kind of I've got to— Look right, say right. I can't say something dumb or embarrassing. And Jesus is just not, again, the irony of this, because he's the most perfect person. He's holy, and yet he's the one person you don't have to pretend around, that you don't have to put on airs around. You don't have to measure every word. You don't have to, you don't have to suck in your gut, right? You can just, you can let your hair down. You can be yourself. You can exhale with him. And that I just find. I just find comforting. He is a comforting friend. When I go days without relating to him as I ought to, when I finally, you know, um, you know, I have friends that I feel bad that I don't text back well enough to, you know, and when I do, I have to say, oh, man, I'm so sorry, uh, you know, and I make up some excuses about why I've been busy, even though I haven't really been that busy, you know. It's just that I'm lazy or distracted or— My favorite is, sorry, man, I was taking a nap. And they're like, it's been three years. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> yeah, that's a, long, that's a long nap. But I've had naps— That's a that, coma, brother. <laughs> I've had naps that feel that long. <laughs> you wake up, what year is it? <laughs> no, but with, with Jesus, like you show up, you know, oh, you know, I haven't had my quiet time in a few days and— you just pick up where you left off. He's not sort of like, well, let's review your deficiencies. You know, um, yeah. even when you confess your sin, oh man, this blows my mind. The idea of of ready forgiveness, the idea of divine forgetfulness, which I know is a figure of speech. I know the omniscient God doesn't quote unquote forget anything, but that He chooses to remember or you know not hold against us. That He He throws our transgressions into the depths of the sea. It's almost as if this is my figure of speech. You confess your sin, and as soon as you do, it just evaporates from the memory of God. Or in some way, He says to us, "Like I don't, you know, like what are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know, the, the forgiveness is that that He's so trigger happy with forgiveness that as mm-hmm. soon as you get the confession out, He, you know, He 
I mean, the sin's already wiped away, but yeah, he just sort of clears the air. That's the kind of friend you really want, and that's the kind of friend God is, and it just means like, man, I can slouch around him, I can be fat around him, I can be tired around him, and gosh, what a wonderful friend he is that he, he allows that. Yeah, that's he, right. He doesn't want another version of us. I mean, that's the thing. It's like yeah. it's not like he just tolerates that. He wants the real us. That's the mm-hmm. us that he loves. That's the you know that's the me that he wants to be with. Is the real me, not the all dressed up make you know made up me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you know, throughout the last you know decade plus of gospel centered, whatever a phrase that's been often used. But I still, I'm not over it. His, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't love a future version of you that has all your baggage managed. He, he right. actually loves you, the real you, not not a not a one day version of you. And yeah, it's just I'll never get bored of that story. Yeah. And to hear it through the lens of friendship was such a fun read for me. I mean, I liked every chapter. Of course, they're all really soul stirring. I really loved the honest chapter. Mm. The idea, I think, for me, I I can struggle with like. Okay, you you like me because you like a particular version that I put out. You, my words are managed around you. I do watch what I say. I, you know, you you consume my social media, and you know this particular version of Ronnie that I put out there. However, if you were to really know, you know, if you were to really know what I do or what I want to do, maybe, or yeah, if you were to really know me, there's just no chance you would feel the way that you. You, you're expressing, right. but to, for Jesus to be honest and still love me for him to be completely in the know and still love me. And then maybe I think that chapter jumped out to me because you used the phrase, and this is an actual quote. You used the phrase glorified as all get out. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought okay. that's my future baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to be glorified yeah. as all get out, Ronnie. Glorified as all get out, man. That's, that's my future one day. No, I just love that chapter. It was it, it was great. It's not a Jared Wilson book if it's not gospel-centered, right? And this mm-hmm. book was. It was gospel-centered. And obviously, it's about friendship, but it's about the gospel in a lot of ways. That comes really apparent in the last chapter. Um, when you talk about Jesus loving us to death, I think is the title of that. Love you to death is the title of that chapter. Yeah. And in that chapter, love you to death, you know, the dying friend, the gospel is not just Im- implicit. It's very explicit. And so I would love for you to kind of walk through the relationship between friendship with Jesus and the gospel, especially kind of as the crescendo of the volume. Yeah. Well, the to use the doctrinal sort of framework, we get to have communion with Christ because of our union with Christ. He has brought us into his very life. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. We are hidden with Christ in God. Um, and because of that, we have a closeness of relationship with him and can have vital communion with him. I, I would say even before John fifteen fifteen, the passage that kind of was driving me towards this project or kind of exploring this uh, is John 13. And in the beginning of that, this is Jesus and the disciples. It's sort of a, maybe a pre-Passover meal. Maybe it's a Passover meal, but... Um, it's, it's where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And John writes um, uh, in the beginning of that chapter, having loved his own who were in the world, yeah. he loved them to the end. To the end. Mm-hmm. And that's just another verse that like, yeah. the immediate referent, uh, of course, is to the end of his mission. He, lo- he, he didn't, you know, 
you know, pull the ejector seat. He didn't, you know, employ the parachute. He went all the way to the cross. For these guys who, when you get down to it, are really losers. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, um, they hardly ever understand him. You know, they're always sort of jockeying for position. They, they say stupid things. They mistake, <laughs> they mistake his, his, they have their own ambitions that they're, that they're trying to constantly sort of paste onto Jesus and they get frustrated when these, you know, these things fall off of him. They, they don't stick. And, you know, even up to the last moment in his, I mean, he knows what's going to happen. He knows that when he's sweating blood, they're going to be sleeping. Um, when he needs his friends the most is, is they're going to be napping. They're going to be in that three-year nap, right? Um, <laughs> when he's like, hey, anybody there? Send in his text, right? <laughs> Could really use a shoulder to cry on right now. They're napping. He knows that's coming, and yet he's like, you know, he, he doesn't say, you know what? Uh, you, know, for some guy, you know, for guys that were um, a little better than this, yeah, I, I'd go to the cross, but not for these jokers. He, <laughs> he sets his face toward the cross. Mm-hmm. He goes and dies for these guys. And mm-hmm. as dumb as they are, I don't know that I could have lasted a year in the close to Jesus seminary like these guys did. He died for me, mm-hmm. which is just overwhelming. When, when the more I know myself or the better I know myself, the more in awe of the gospel I actually am um, because I just realize how in need of it I am. And I'm just astounded that he would go to the cross for me. So that's the kind of friend that we have is one who sees how much we don't deserve and gosh mm. we just do not deserve the the you know son of god to die for us he he's he he you know how much we don't deserve it and yet he still goes and does it he must he must love us yes there is no other explanation mm. um he didn't have to do that you know for any other reason except to prove that he loves sinners. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it glorifies himself. It, it glorifies God. But there could have been another way to to demonstrate divine glory. He could have just blown everybody away with his, you know, awesomeness and his radiance. He upholds the universe by mm-hmm. you know, his powerful word. And yet he wanted to show his love for dirtbags, which is just, Incredible, man! Isn't it just it's just incredible. It's yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, man. This is this is a fun conversation because it's yeah, it's fun to not be over the gospel, and yes. it's fun to not be over it with someone else who's not over it. And, yeah. and well, that's yeah, what I hope even, the book you know, even, does is is help people just deepen their awe. I mean, that's all I've yeah. ever really tried to do is just get people to remember, like this gospel thing is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's pretty We're amazing. Be glorified as all get out. <laughs> glorified as all get out. <laughs> well, that's yeah. amazing, man. Thank yeah. you so much for writing the book, Jared. I, um, I, I, uh, I went and left a review on Goodreads, and you know, even oh, said, nice. obviously, I'm biased here. I, uh, I quite like the author, but it's another <laughs> book that presses the gospel into the nooks and crannies of my life, and that's what you've been for me for a decade now. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm thankful that in our friendship with the, the friend of sinners, he gives us friends in, in real world and, uh, you know, with one another. And I'm thankful to, you know, you're amongst those that I count as a, a dear friend. And thank you for this book, man. Thank you, I do want to give you a, a last word. Okay. Uh, anything else that we didn't talk about? about no, the book that no, I think that's good. I'll, I'll just remind readers the book is called Friendship with the Friend of Sinners. 
the remarkable possibility of closeness with Christ. Friendship with the Friend of Sinners, it's available now. I think actually this is supposed to come out the week of release okay. um, or very shortly uh, from Baker Books. You can find it anywhere. And man, I so appreciate you. Thanks for coming on and indulging me in this. Um, I, I didn't want to do a solo talking head sort of thing. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to make Ross have to interview me either and because uh, I just, you know, uh, Man, yeah, I didn't want to subject him to that. <laughs> and I just, wanted to, just, I just wanted to see your face again. So I'm glad we that's could right. do that. That's right. We need to do like a once a quarter, just That'd you know, good. jump back on for an episode. I mean, there's and, cryptozoology. Yeah. There's all kinds of like spectacular Ooh, things. Maybe not. Can... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I revoked uh, yeah. the idea. Well, on your next book, is, there, is your next book the IVP thing or the B&H thing? Uh, I have two manuscripts turned in. I'm okay. not sure which one's going to come out first. Okay. So, well, let me know. Uh, and we'll bring you on to talk okay. about that for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Dear listener, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the for the church podcast hosted by Jared Wilson found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.